Hi, and welcome to episode 123 of No Crying in Baseball, the Patty is Not Iron Man episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, happy spring training. Oh, yeah. Spring training has started. It's very excited. Um, I got called on my lack of math skills by a listener. What lack of math skills? Yeah. You with math skills. So apparently, um, careful listener, Marshall Marums. Hi, Marshall. Thanks for catching me on this. Caught that last week when I talked about um, Matt Chapman's. um, No, it was Matt Carpenter. Oh, crap. (laughs) Math skills, vocabulary skills. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So I think it was Carpenter. There was a a fundraiser. So many maths. There There was a hurricane fundraiser and I had done the math on the fly and I said all of this equals $24,000 and and Marshall Maris pointed out no it's $240,000 I left off zeros my Iron Man if my math is right and it always is thing has failed me I don't know if it was the age the beer although Potty mouth didn't catch me. Oh, wait, you yeah, wouldn't catch was, me. Right, right. I was here listening the whole time, and I totally didn't notice either, because when you talk math to me, it sounds like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and I just nod my head, and I'm like, all right, Patty knows what she's talking about. It's Patty's this Iron Man. This is all working out, yeah. so I, I just assume everything is on the up and up. So I'm wondering where all the rest of you listeners are who are much better <laughs> at math than I am when I'm old and have had a beer, because I only heard from Marshall, but I do appreciate you catching me on that, because I don't like the bad, the bad juju out there. On today's show, spring training games have started and the Astros cheating scandal has legs. It just keeps going on. We have boyfriends. Yay, boyfriends with the twins and the world championship Washington Nationals. It was school picture day for baseball and we are here for it. Our friend Coach Whitey, you might have heard his interview last week. Our friend Coach Whitey went to the Dominican Republic with a local high school team and we want to report back on that. And there are new rules for the 2020 baseball season. It's time for you to listen to those. So we're coming to you on Sunday. Spring training started on Saturday. Well, spring training games. The first Mm -hmm. games started on Saturday, except for those that didn't. And a whole bunch of them didn't because Mother Nature is pissed about baseball, too. That's kind of weird. You'd think that there would be some celebrations for Mother Nature here. Yeah, but you know what? Like something like seven games didn't happen at all, and a bunch of them were delayed. And wow, it was like a less than auspicious start to the spring training program. Florida weather. Florida weather. Um, I don't know if that was also Arizona weather. Oh, I don't know. I I didn't check. I know that. I mean, the Nats Astros are on the east side of Florida. And I actually saw the Red Sox Rays game earlier in the day. And that Mm. went okay, But it did look kind of overcast and a little windy. Very windy, actually. Yeah. So the the game that people were paying attention to, because you don't really pay a lot of attention to spring training games unless you're down there, is the first Nationals versus Astros game because oh my god what's going to happen well one of the things that happened was that dusty baker didn't field any veterans on his team so the very first time anybody saw any astros take the field it was all newbies nobody who was involved in the 2017 thing which dusty is, is one smart cookie is he we think there's maybe there, there might have been rules that you're supposed to have vets on the team but i guess not if dusty got away with that yeah but it didn't stop nats fans for booing but you know what there was sign stealing at this game did uh-huh. you have a sign stealing i i kind of heard about this yeah so a bunch of nats fans walked up to the front gate to come in with their tickets with their homemade signs to trash the astros and all the signs were confiscated at the gate so 
um, not the Astros, but the management of the spring training facility stole the signs. Yeah, you know, there, the Nats fans. some Nats fans were just one step more clever and they had a T-shirt. And I know I'm going to fuck this up, but it said something like I'm wearing this T-shirt because my sign was because the Astros stole, stole my sign. or yeah. something like that. <laughs> So good. they did good. sort of, you know, work around the rules and get in their digs where they could. So what's this week's news about in Astroland? Oh, my God, there's so much. Yeah, I'm feeling sick of it. And I, I almost skipped this over. But, you know, when David Ortiz says something, I listen. And and Big Poppy is getting a lot of shit on social media now because he made a statement that kind of sounded like of the Jessica Mendoza, Pedro Martinez line, which is basically blaming fires for speaking Snitches up. Snitches get stitches sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is is Big Poppy used the word snitch, yeah. which I think is a little bit loaded. And I think, you a know, little that, bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So that that sentence calling Mike Fires a snitch is the one that's very publicized. But listening to it, seeing the video, I don't know. I have a soft spot for Big Poppy, obviously. And, I, and I'm totally not, you know, with him on the snitch thing. But it seemed like he was emphasizing the fact that, oh, he waited and everybody else waited until they're off the Astros team to say anything. Like, easy for you to talk now. Why didn't you say something sooner? And then Jonathan Lucroy, who's a catcher who's been all around and had to deal with the Astros a lot from the other side of the plate because he played for a bunch of California teams, including the Angels, where he had that horrible collision with Jake Marisnik of the Astros. And then also of the A's, where fires wound up. And Lucroy said the A's tried in 2018 to tell MLB something was up and it was not investigated. Right. And so all the folks who said, you know, fire should have gone through other channels. Mm -hmm. He did. They did. And nobody listened until a player went public. Thank you, MLB. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with Ortiz saying that, I feel like, you know, he tried. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. that, that, that that's the hard part. But um, the, the other thing that Ortiz said that I kind of, you know, he took my heart a little bit was talking about Altuve and how he feels and I feel that Altuve is a good player. And if he has a hard time this year, it's not necessarily because he was cheating before and he's not cheating now. It's because this fucks up with your your mind. And he and Ortiz talked about how it's it's such a mental game. And this is really hard for Altuve because he believes what Correa said, that Altuve personally didn't use the system that much. But because it's a team issue and Altuve takes it for the team. And we said that, you know, we admired that about him. But it's just that still he's going to get a lot of the blame this year. And Big Poppy, like, you know, said, respect this guy. He's a good player. Right, right. Yeah. And then the follow-up is he's, he's going to get crap because he didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Just like Poppy was saying about fires. Like, well, why didn't he say anything when right. I was on the team? Well, there you go. It's it's tough because when you're part of the team, you're part of the team and you don't knock each other out, right? You're together. Yeah, it's that code, right? It's that unspoken code. code. So I'm I'm really tired of this taking um so much time and attention. Can I do one more thing while yeah. we're taking time and attention on this? Because this I find fascinating. So we talked a little bit how there's other lawsuits now that are happening around the Astros cheating scandal. And there are fantasy ball players who are suing because there was cheating involved and that screws with your numbers. <laughs> and if you're playing for money, 
Yeah. Right. This is somebody's. That's you know, very I'm, funny. That's like beyond the pitcher who's suing. It's right. Fantasy There's the pitcher. <laughs> there are also some season ticket holders of the Astros who are suing because you know that's not what they bought tickets to see. Right. So this is going to be trickier because uh, you know the the argument that the lawyers who are representing them say are what they're going to hear is well you paid for ball games and you got ball games. So there's that. But anyway, the yeah. lawyers that are representing these two season ticket holders um, live near. Houston, and they're big fans of a um, a minor league team in the Astro, uh, an affiliate of the Astros, and like this this one attorney's family started going to the games with his kids, and they started buying more tickets. And then as the firm grew, the law firm bought a bunch of seats. They ended up buying like a suite, and then since then they even started like sponsoring nights where they pay for a T-shirt for everybody who comes to the game. So they have a pretty large financial investment in this minor league team, like forty five thousand dollars annually. Wow! Into this, and as we know, that's big for minor league. Big, yeah. big for minor league. Well, since he, um, this law firm is representing these people who are suing the Astros, this Astros affiliate has said, "No, thank you. We're not going to renew your relationship with the minor league team." Wait, but that like literally nobody on that team did anything. No one is nobody on the team did anything. No one is accusing that team for doing anything. There, it's the Astros. It's the major league team, and this minor league team has said, oh, "No, thank you. We don't want your very generous purchase of a suite and seats." Oh, the other thing was like something like forty forty percent of the seats they purchased with the law firm go to charity to bring people to games who can't afford to go to games, like bring groups of kids and all this stuff. And they're saying no because of this lawsuit. And that's a big hit for minor league. I mean, just going to minor league games, most minor league stadiums do not get that full. So they would totally depend on something like that. Yep. All right. Well, it's keeping a lot of people busy, including Rob Manfred. Oh, he's been very busy. So busy. Mm -hmm. He is one busy man. Um, There was a question at a recent press conference about, you know, you said you were going to do something about the Tomahawk chop this offseason because we remember in the playoffs last year, finally, the world woke up and said, holy shit, look at this racist chant that's being incited. And there was a, a, a game during the series where the organist didn't do it. That was part of the deal because of the opposing pitcher. So he's been so busy with all of this Astros stuff. He said that he understands it's an issue, but there's been simply too much going on. I haven't gotten around to it. Okay, so Rob Manfred, if you're listening, and oh God, I wish you were, can you just say, hey, Atlanta fans, cut it out, and then we'd be done, right? Right. doesn't take a lot of time. Did y'all time it? It's like a a second and a half. Cut it out. Right. And I don't understand what he was doing before this whole Astros explosion, I don't know, on the beach. Well, he was trying to like increase pace of play. Oh, right. He was looking for a lot, ways a lot to of fuck time with to cut game. out like two minutes of play every game. Right. Hey, you know what? Can we talk about boyfriends? Because they'll make us so much happier. This is our favorite part of the show where we each pick a guy from every team over the course of the offseason. So this week we're on the Twins and, oh, yeah, the Nationals, no, no, the, no, world no, champion, the world champion, yeah, the world been, champion yeah. Washington Nationals. Yeah. So we've been working our way up from those with the worst record and we are getting toward the top and super excited to talk about the twins oh yeah our our rules for picking these guys we can't pick the same guy that's not cool and there has to be something cool about the guy beyond the field that makes us want to sort of hang out with them and have a beer and we also have um 
no asshole rules. And that's where I got kind of screwed with my twins pick because I originally wanted to pick Jorge Polanco, who seemed fascinating, shortstop, one of the top 10. He played for the Dominican league. I had the Dominican team, Leones de Escogido, that I followed. But he was um, suspended for 80 days for PEDs a couple of years ago. And we don't have a hard and fast rule about drugs, but basically we have uh, personally personally, well, yeah. I think podcastily and personally and, and basically about we, we don't say we can't at all take boyfriends who have done PDs. Right. But as a practice, we've sort of stayed away from it because we're looking for people who would be good examples. And usually like if there's somebody else. Might as well pick the somebody else, right. unless you can really prove that, you know, they learned from their experience and all those things. Anyway, I couldn't put the time into Polanco today. So I go, I went with um, second base, 22 years old, Luis Arraes. And he is a Venezuelan young man. And he is already being compared to Tony Gwynn at the age of 22 because he's a contact hitter. He has an amazing uh, hit rate. He has great combination of both pitch recognition and plate discipline. So as this 22 years old, and we're gonna, I'm gonna be talking about another youngin later in the show who has great plate discipline. He waits it out, and actually hit last year, his rookie year, he walked 36 times and struck out 29. So he's striking out less than he's walking. And he said at the Diamond Awards where he got most under, outstanding, uh, not understanding, most <laughs> outstanding Twins Rookie of the Year, he, he just simply said, I don't like striking out. Um, so last year was his rookie year. He didn't play the whole season. He got brought up in May. And when he got brought, brought up his first four games, he got seven hits. And he didn't strike out until his eighth game. So this is a guy with a good eye, with plate discipline. He uh, spent a little while in the minors, but you know he's only 22 now. He was signed in 2013 as an international free was agent. Was he like in middle school? He was, yeah, oh my God, he was little. I will no longer do math on the fly I was gonna with say, the microphone shit, in front of me. I did not write down the numbers on that. I can't do the subtraction, but I do know with numbers that at every rookie level, he was batting over 300. So he did come up last year. Um, he played 92 games, and his average was 338. So he was leading the Twins in, in batting average. You know, definitely a smaller amount of, of games, but he also held his own in the playoffs. He went 5 for the 11 against the Yankees. So he absolutely gets my... Um, Seal of approval for that. He also gets my seal of approval for being a funny good guy. And you're going to be talking in a minute about, shoot, should I should I wait until you no, say this? No, it's okay. Go ahead. All right. Do it, I'm going to burst your bubble. You're going to be talking about another amazing twin with plate discipline, Williams Astudio. And the two of them together on dress up day, costume day, right after the twins clinched the division, dressed up as Cheech and Chong. So Astudio is Cheech and uh, Arias was Chang, and we will. That also follows up on the what is our stance on drugs? Oh yeah, right? <laughs> there you go. So some so some drug images can be can be a positive thing. Um, back to his plate discipline. Another oh yeah, well another, done. Another good uh, good link that we've got to put is his this at bat that he did at the end of the season against Edwin Diaz, the Mets closer. He was brought in on an 0-2 count because Jonathan Scope was up and he pulled something in his side and he couldn't finish his at-bat. 
So like who wants to come in inheriting an O2 count totally cold? Not me. Right? Had not been warming up. Didn't know he was going to be playing. He ended up getting a walk. Inheriting an O2? O2 count. And he walked on 11 pitches against Edwin Diaz. So this young guy who can totally keep his cool. He um, played when he was little. Started at age eight in Venezuela. And his dad is the one who got him into playing. And his dad told him at age eight, when you hit the ball the other way, you get a lot of money. So he's saying that he's been working on his opposite field hitting literally since age eight. He just missed being signed at age 16. And he came home. And so I guess I could have done the math, like checked below when I was doing the math above. But he came home, threw his glove down, said, you know, as like any 16 year old would, I quit. I'm going to study and not play baseball. And here comes his mom who didn't say, oh, good, go study, said, don't give up. You can keep going. Be humble. Be responsible. Work hard. So because of his mom's encouragement, he went back, got signed a couple months later. And he says that his childhood hero is his mom. Now he says his new hero are his two adorable daughters, Emma and Esther. And he is married. And I, I believe that the family is still in Venezuela and he's, they're thinking of coming over soon. But the little one is very little. And the last thing to get your approval, Patty, mm-hmm. he said that if he hadn't been a baseball player, he would have been a physics professor. That, and you picked him? You, and, wait, yeah, you picked and I totally picked him. And there's another great clip of this hit that he did that defies physics. It's literally going straight for Yuan Mankata. He bends down to get it near third base, and the, the ball just takes a turn. And it must have hit something, but it looks like a physics display. So or, or magic. It, it could be magic. Maybe it's magic. It could be magic. Okay. Last thing, he's a good guy, too. We know we like our boyfriends who do well. And the twins have a bunch of good things going on, including this clinic that they do called the Nubability Clinic for kids with limb loss, either congenital or traumatic. And they play ball with these kids for a couple of days. And Jorge Polanco, so he, maybe he is doing all right, and Arais both were involved in these efforts. So good boyfriend news there. I just want to point out that even though I screwed up math and Potty Mouth <laughs> didn't catch it, so clearly not our strong suit, Potty Mouth did make a literary allusion earlier when we were getting ready. I did? You did. You referred to us as an O. Henry story. Oh, right. And my love for you <laughs> is even greater than it was before because um, we prepare for the show. Not Believe it or not, we really we, do. <laughs> number one, we prepare for the show. Yeah. And number two, we do this, you know, we share a Google Doc. And so... I can see, like, if if Potty Mouth has claimed a boyfriend, I know stay away from that boyfriend, or if I claim somebody first or whatever. And so Potty Mouth had claimed Jorge Polanco. So I went to who I was thinking about because I talked about him a lot last year. So then I went to um, Astadio, but I thought, well, maybe this Arias guy. And then she claimed Arias. I'm like, oh, wow, we just keep swapping back and forth and not getting quite what we planned on doing. But the yep. bottom line is Potty Mouth said, oh, Henry's story. Yeah, I'm feeling. Well, that's because I checked thinking, oh, I'm going to go change Polanco to Astudio and you had claimed Astudio. And so then I went with Arais, not knowing that you had been interested in him before. Yes, it's it's very poetic. 
it, it's very poetic. Mm-hmm. And so today we're going to go with literary because math has failed us. <laughs> anyway, I'm, we're also going to go with um, Tortugas because I have selected Williams Astudio. He's so cute. He is, he's he's is adorable. so adorable. Hey, we get pour, to drink. Pour me some beer while yeah. you do that because I'm going to have to toast to that because he is, in fact, adorable. And I finished my beer already. Anyway, so Williams Astudio, the La Tortuga, is, you know, he's still listed as the catcher for the twins, but he's really a utility guy. He's 28. He's from Barcelona, Venezuela, and he is, picture if you will, 5'9 and 225 pounds. Oh, he's so cute. Now picture, say, Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich. And you say, <laughs> he doesn't look like what we picture when we say baseball player, but he can do everything especially and, utility especially player. utility he has played well i'll get to it later but he's played every single position as a pro ball player all of them all of them every position wow so his dad played pro ball in venezuela and his dad and his grandfather were his coaches when he was a kid and one of the one of the exercises they did one of like the regular drills they did was the father would flick Corn kernels. Picture how small corn oh kernels are. That's worse than a bottle cap. Right? Two, two Williams, two, who wasn't yet a, a Tortuga, um, and he would swing at them with a broomstick. So think of your the hand-eye coordination you need to have to hit something as small as a corn kernel with a broomstick, right? So he has also ended up with a very high contact rate, which uh, Potty Mouth just introduced us to with her twin's boyfriend. So this is going to come into play later. So he was signed as an amateur free agent by the Phillies in 2008. So a while back, right? Um, He also moved through Atlanta and also the Diamondbacks. And you know what? Potty Mouth helped me learn how to pronounce you this can team do name. I don't think I can. So he's played in um, the Venezuelan, the Winter League since 2014 with the Caribe's Day. Anzo de... Answategi. An... Wait, do it again. Answategi. Answategi. Yeah, yeah, I need to help with that too. Answategi. So the Caribe's Day Answategi um, since 2014. Um, and then he was signed by the Twins as a free agent in 2017. His debut with the twins was June 30th, 2018 in center field. Again, picture. He debuted in center field. Yes. I did not know so that. So picture five, nine center field. You need to cover a lot of That's ground. a lot of running. You may need to, you need to be fast and you need to be able to pull down balls that are flying over the wall. He showed a scout. Yeah, no, I can also play center field. He showed them tape of him saving a home run when he played for Venezuela. He's like, no, I can do this. And so they said, fine, because this particular game in Chicago, people were dropping right and left with heat exhaustion. So they were running out of people like, all right, you said you can play center field. So he had to. Um, He also is the first person of his general size, like his height and weight and all of that to ever in Major League Baseball play center field. I wonder how many Major League Baseball players have been his height and weight. So he's, Bartolo Colon, his, I mean, the, the, the joke is he's shaped, but Bar- he's I think, shorter. But he's though. shorter. He's yeah, shorter. He's I know. shorter than most of these big guys. So not many. And these guys don't play those running, leaping Yeah, He's positions. so cute when he runs. He's um, very cute when he runs. And we're talking about more of that in just a second. So again, he played every position. That includes pitcher. So just a few weeks later, after his debut, he had his pitching debut, which was terrible. It was so <laughs> terrible. He's got a 45. 
ERA. But he tried. He tried. And the twins were losing by a boatload of runs. And I was like, yeah, I can do it. What the heck? And check that off his list. Um, he does not strike out. In fact, it made, it was a big story when he walked because he also doesn't walk. He just hits the ball. Um, he is one of only three players since 1920 with over 300 plate appearances and 11 or fewer strikeouts. That's crazy. That is going to be some teeny, teeny percentage. And, and, the interesting thing, I mean, even 538 is onto this guy, you know, one of my like favorite, like, let's let's throw like science and statistics at things, uh, sites, he's actually gaining power, right? So he's a contact hitter, he swings at everything, but he was never, he never hit very far. Now he's hitting far, he, it's extra base hits for him all the time, which is good because we have, in fact, seen him run. When we were watching mm-hmm. the Caribbean series, we watched him in this, the finals, the Venezuelan finals. It's like, wow, you don't want to be behind him because he's not a fantastic runner, but he can hit hard. So that's good. So he can get the people in front of him to score. You just don't really want to get caught behind him too much. But he's famous for a couple of really amazing plays. One of them happened in spring training in 2018, where he threw a no-look pickoff to first so That's everybody beautiful. everybody on the field thought he was just returning the ball to the pitcher and he just threw it to first base and they picked the guy off he also had a hidden ball trick when he was playing third base right so he so that the play is finishing he's got the ball in his hand and i'm watching the clip of this and mm-hmm. you never see him throw the ball back to the pitcher but the pitcher goes back up on the mound like he's getting ready to pitch and the guy in third base starts taking his lead and astadio just reaches his hand out and tags him because he still has the ball it's like a high school play it's, That's like, like, a, a, it's like a high yeah. school play it's like a trick play and also and the the clip he's most famous for is when he was on first base and uh, at a game versus the Yankees and he ran all the way from first to home and sat down on the bench completely out of breath, but he did it. He scored. He didn't get out. And part of it was really pretty good natured press for this. It wasn't, Oh, can you believe he did it? It was like, yeah. Oh my God, he did it. Yeah, Let's celebrate this. And look yeah. how, how, you know, the, a lot of jokes about the flow of his hair. Oh, yeah. like behind like, I remember him. the helmet flew off. The helmet flew off. Mm-hmm. The hair is flying. But his final um, statement about that whole thing was, I just wanted to show that chubby people also run. Power to him. So I love you, La, La Tortuga. Did you hear the Nationals won the World Series? We're going to talk about the World Series champion, Woo! Washington Nationals. Woo! One rule we have for our boyfriends is that we are not allowed to keep any from season to season except for one. So from our first season to our second season, I kept Mookie Betts on the Red Sox, my homegrown team. And um, I thought I was going to stay that way. And then, as we found out a little while ago, Mookie's no longer on the Red Sox and I'm not going to keep him. I am going to keep my Nats boyfriend. Yay! Who is Juanjo, Juan Jose Soto Pacheco, 21 years old. We saw him turn 21 last year during the World Series. Game three of the World Series. Yeah, which was a cool thing because he could actually drink the champagne for the World Series. And he could not, <clears throat> I'm sure he did not, not for any, any of the other championships the levels before the World Series. No, so I I kept him because he's being talked about, and I might have to make this prediction right now, he's being talked about as possible MVP for the National League League for this year. I would love to see that. 
it would be mighty cool. He wasn't too far off before, but you know, check it out. This this 21-year-old, like in the playoffs last year, so between the ages of 20 and barely 21, he got home runs against Clayton Kershaw, Hyunjin Ryu, Mm -hmm. Justin Verlander, and twice off Garrett Cole. (laughs) I love that so much. Is that that's just bizarre? And really, I mean, the the Nats won the World Series from being a wild card team, which is an amazing thing to follow through, especially if you're a fan with tickets to that wild card. So we were at that game and freaking out. Bottom of the eighth inning, Nats are losing. Things are getting tense. Everybody's on their feet. Josh Hader, who we do not like, is pitching. And uh, and my boy, Juan Jose Soto Pacheco, gets a what should have been a two-run single, but there was an error, so three runs scored. And it was crazy. And the place went wild. I, and just that kind of energy and that he is so responsible for the Nats moving forward, I had to hang on to him. So like you said, his 21st birthday was in game three, which was actually his shitty game after he had been in a pretty good streak. <laughs> but same, that was the beginning of the Nats making us a little bit tense in those middle games. But he got a cake delivered to him by Big Poppy David Ortiz and A-Rod for the ESPN uh, feed. And it's adorable. It's worth drinking too. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Clink. And and they sang to him and they hugged him. So pretty amazing. The the stat though that he walks away from that game with oh, no. is that he was the sixth player in MLB history to get an error on his birthday during the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> There's a stat so, for everything. Stat for everything. We're not gonna totally compliment him on everything. You know, you gotta rib people a little bit. But he d- did have the stats. He is the th- third player, third most World Series hits under the age of 22. He had 18 postseason hits last year, which tied with Miggy Cabrera for under 22-year-old. And along with Mickey Mantle, he is the only under 22-year-old to get a RBI in World Series Game 7. There is a stat for that. I think what a lot of people love about uh, Juan Soto is his family connection. And yeah. all along, like he, what was it on Mother's Day last year? He said his mom was his date. And in the in the wild card was, I think, when he got tackled from behind by his dad and his parents were there. And that actually is one of the things that he credits his wild card game performance to is that his mom cooked for him before the game. (laughs) So his parents were in town. His mom cooked for him. He's also known for the Soto Shuffle, which is that thing that he does in the batter's box going back and forth, occasional crotch grab. Um, I don't think that part made it, but his shuffle made it to the MLB The Show video game. He does kick up a lot of the dirt. Yeah. He absolutely does. Yep. It's a little bit of sort of like a bull looking straight at that pitcher. Um, and then, of course, who can forget where he carried the bat with him most of the way to first base after he got that home run off Verlander during the World Series. But it was after Bregman did it. So he was and he was doing it for fun. So, right. And the best thing was he said that he did it because he thought it looked cool. But, you know, he did it just to throw some shade at yeah. the Astros. And I kind of love him for that. So there's my boyfriend pick, Juan Soto. I'm Gotta so glad. stick with him. I'm so glad. So, you know, I. I broke up with Anthony Rendon, who had been that was like like, well, like yeah. you and Pookie. You know, he was mm-hmm. my carryover from last year, and then he went off to the Angels, and I said, "No, okay, no." So, so this year, Christian Yelich is my carryover boyfriend. So I had to pick somebody new. I had a very clean slate 
with the Nationals, and I love so many of the Nationals very much. And it was for a while, I was like, oh yeah, I'm totally taking Victor Robles. Of course, I'm taking Victor Robles. I, I thought you were going to pick Robles. Yeah, and then and then I saw the picture day photos of Eric Thames and his arms, Oof. and so for a hot second, I was like. Or very hot, this, very hot second. It was, it was a toasty second. There was yeah. a little bit of fanning. You know, ooh, got to cool off. Um, and I thought, no, no. So he's a veteran of a you know long time. People know about Eric Thames. Same, wow, but still, wow. But then yeah. I, I, I snapped back into it. I said, you know what? You guys need to know about Carter Keyboom because we Nats fans know about Carter Keyboom. If you're not a Nats fan, you, if Nats fan, you may not. And he hopefully is going to be the new Nats third baseman. Replacing the position vacated by Anthony Rendon, but not oh, really connection. replacing Rendon yeah. in our hearts or that MVP level stuff. But this kid has got game. Let me tell you about Carter Keeboom, if I may. So he's still listed as shortstop because he's a natural shortstop, but he's being um, pegged to, to play third base for the Nats. He's only 22. Um, got a he, bunch of youngins today. We do. He's from Marietta, Georgia. His dad, Alswin, played for the Netherlands national team, and which is pretty unusual because his dad would walk by, when he was a little kid, would walk by with his dad a baseball field on the way to watch soccer. And he kept saying, yeah, but what about this thing over there? Soccer's fine, but what about this game over here? So he started playing when he was a kid, and he ended up playing on the Netherlands national team. That's fascinating. His dad got a scholarship for um, to play baseball at Eastern Illinois University at age 17. So he was playing on the Netherlands national team very young. So he moved here to the United States when he was a teenager, um, met his wife at the university who was not a baseball fan at the time, but she sure is now because they have three kids who are all baseball players. They really do have the name for it. You know, if your last name's Key Boom, you got to do something. Boom. So his brother, Spencer, is the oldest brother. And we knew him first because he um, was in the Nats um, the farm system. Yes, he was playing. He was a catcher. Um, the middle brother is Trevor, who said catching is too dirty and wanted no part of that. So he was not a catcher, but he played. Carter is several years younger. So he was when he was like two weeks old, he was getting pushed in the stroller to games and practices to watch his older brothers. And they said there was no way he was not going to be a ball player because this is how he grew up. In fact, when he'd come home from elementary school, I guess their house backed up to the high school field. So he would come home, like have a snack, watch a little TV and then run through the woods to go watch his brothers at their practice. Uh And then he ended up getting to practice with the team. And one of the things that he did when he was practicing with the team was he learned he can throw with either hand. Nice skill. It's a rare skill. He can't doesn't bat. He's not a switch hitter. That's he says, nope, it's the only thing he's, you know, he, he does, he shoots his ba- the basketball with his left hand and he can throw with either hand. He naturally throws right, but he can throw left just as easily. So it's kind of interesting. So as he was moving through like travel teams and stuff, he had a six fingered glove and he was a pitcher for a while. Oh, so he could just swap the glove over and pitch with either hand, which was pretty fun. Um, so his older brothers were good ball players, but they both said, no, no. Wait till you see our little brother. That's great. I'm glad you're enjoying watching us play. But you need to see our little, our baby brother, basically. He is much better than we are. So Trevor is the middle brother. 
played through college, but kept getting injured and gave it up and said, forget it, but I'm not leaving baseball. I'm going to be an agent and I'm representing my brothers. Smart kid. Right? So he's no fool. So Spencer, like I said, was a catcher with the Nats. He's now a free agent. He doesn't have a team right now. But baby brother Carter was drafted in the first round by the Nationals in 2016 for a $2 million signing bonus. So the Nats liked what they saw. And Spencer apparently was playing um, at a minor league game for the, you know, in a Nats affiliate and was like watching his phone in between innings and said, okay, good. They made a good choice oh, in picking wow. this kid. So um, Carter had committed to Clemson, but you know, $2 million and yeah, the Nats want you. So you go play for the Nats. He debuted in March of 2019. And I do remember watching this game. Trey Turner was injured at the time. So they called up Keyboom because, again, he was a natural shortstop. Trey was out at short because he broke a finger when he was hit by a pitch. And his parents, of course, were in the stands. And the video is pretty famous of because the, the camera was on them when Carter had his first at bat and Carter hit a home run. At his first at bat. Amazing for her first at bat. And the parents were just beside yeah. themselves. Unfortunately, he couldn't maintain the glamour, the stardom, and all that. And he got sent back down pretty quickly. Um, you know, he he was also up because um Rendon got hurt at part of it too. So he kind of was replacing a lot of, you know, like filling in for a lot mm-hmm. of injured guys at the time. But um the the general manager of the Nat said, this is all on me. It was a mistake to bring him up too soon. He wasn't ready. He has the stats in minor leagues are amazing, but it's different. And one of the things that he said was different was, you know, you commit an error in a minor league game and you just get up and do better the next day. You commit an error in a major league game and you have to talk to the press about it. Huh. So that yeah, was like super, point. super hard for him. So an interesting thing was he, when he got sent back down last year, they spent all of 2019, they were grooming him to play second base to replace Brian Dozier. So this natural shortstop was being groomed to play second. And then when Anthony Rendon was picked up by the Angels, they said, just kidding, Carter. Now you need to learn how to play third, which is a very different set of skills. So right now, third base is sort of his to lose. He'll probably platoon with Esdrubal Cabrera for a while, but but that's, that's what they're looking at. They're, they're hoping yeah. he's going to be the third baseman of the future. But I just want to end with one quote from Spencer Keeboom because I want I, I just really need to describe how much these brothers support each other. And Spencer said, he's my brother. I want him to reach his ceiling and I want to reach mine. And it's okay that they are different heights. That's so sweet. It sounds like something in the field of education that we would say. <laughs> right. <like> there's <laughs> equity. Each kid gets what they need. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait to watch Carter play. And I hope this is the year that's the right year for him. Cheers. Cheers to that. So I referenced picture day. I love picture day. I always call it school picture day. It's totally like that. It's the same vibe. And everybody does it at the same time. Yeah, they do it at like 6.30 a.m. I don't know why they do it so early in the morning. They do it stupid early in the morning. And, and they look so cheery. Actually, that's not true. They don't there's, always There's some of them that don't look exactly cheery. Good point. So the main reason for this is that these are the pictures that when you go to a game and, they, and the batter comes up, um, into the batter's box, and they put a photo of the batter and his stats up there. One of those photos is, is one of the pictures they took on school picture day, which is why you often see sort of unruly um, off-season beards and things like that, because they haven't quite like caught up yet to what we're going to look like in the actual season. But we mentioned Eric Thames before. Um, his picture day photos got a lot of press because 
arms all about the arms i'm just putting it out Huge there arms. if you like if you care about arms find these photos yeah i actually watched him at the game he he was at bat in one of the few innings yesterday and yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah arms so um again we have a little fan action here cooling us off so um the reds remember we talked about shirtless mets last week some of the Reds went shirtless as part of their photo shoot. Like, you know how they were, remember the Reds had like this, the sleeveless yeah, jerseys and were like, that, yeah, we like the sleeveless. Well, they went all They off. thought maybe just a shirtless jersey altogether. <laughs> so those are attractive photos. I don't think they're the ones you're going to see on Jumbotron. And the other thing I learned, I was flipping through other picture day things and I found Mike Napoli in a Cubs uniform. Mm-hmm. He got signed as a coach for the Cubs. Yeah, with, with his buddy Dave Ross. And I don't think we talked about that. This happened back in December. And I just want to say the beard looks good and the party at Napoli's apparently now happens in Chicago. And he has some arms also. He also we, has we, some arms. We've we met actually, those arms. We've met those arms at the Damn. picture. Talk about pictures from the All-Star game. Uh, a couple of pictures that I noticed. My ex-boyfriend and like one of these boyfriend rules is that once you dump a guy, you can't go back to him. So I didn't keep- Dump is a harsh okay. word. We're required to just select someone new. Right. It, once, it's kind of Right. Dumping. Once you decide that guy isn't going to be your holdover to the next year. Right. And as I said, I kept Mookie Betts from year one to year two. So I did not keep Kike Hernandez, who, I mean, I think otherwise he totally should have been my forever boyfriend because he is fucking hysterical. So he, he's kind of your baseball soulmate. I really do think he so is funny. Yeah. But he has a wonderful wife who seems to be right on his vibe. And he sort of captioned his series of four photos because the first one has this like gazing look. And he said, it's the face I made the first time I saw her like, ooh, la la, who's that? And then the second one is like a puppy dog face. And he don't, totally has puppy dog eyes. And he said, it's my reaction when she told me she had a boyfriend. So add some heartbreak to it. And then the third one is like your awake puppy dog, like the guy who's just starting to wag his tail. And his his caption on that one was finding out she broke up with the guy. Look at me. I'm available. This is my flirty face. So his flirty face. And then the last one is totally lovey-dovey when she asked him out on a date. He points out that he was only in the friend zone for six months. So he is a major catch. Uh, The other school picture that I saw, which totally looked like a school picture, was Raphael Devers' cousin. So Raphael Devers, babyface Carita from the Boston Red Sox, who you think is the youngest looking guy that you have ever seen in a major league uniform. His younger cousin, who is just 20 years old, got braces in the offseason. Oh, damn. So his school picture, and this is, you know, like every kid's nightmare, is him with braces. And it looks like, a, I mean, a little league. It totally looks little league. <laughs> and the, the last guy I wanted to mention, though, was your ex-ex-ex, right, from two years ago. Yes. Francisco Lindor from the Cleveland team, who has more hair than hat at the, like, than, than, than can, a hat can sit on comfortably at it's this unruly. point. It's unruly. Yeah, there's it's, a lot it's of hair. A life. It's got a life of its own. But it's also now it's silver, mm-hmm. where in the past it was gold. So he's he's switched it up. So yeah, he's got a lot going on in his head and is in a Santa hat in one of the photos. I don't know why. Yeah, there was actually your your other guy um, um, from last year, Cleveland. Uh, Ramirez, Ramirez yes. also was in the Santa hat. There were a lot of photos of Ramirez because he was loving Picture Day. Hey, something I learned about Picture Day 
The other thing the guys do besides take all these photos is this is when they autograph all the gear that gets auctioned off oh, and given away. Yeah. There, there are pictures of these guys with just stacks of bats or balls and even a couple of mints that they're just autographing for a very long time for like charity fundraisers, you know, prizes, all this stuff. So from picture day to high school, just wanted to give a shout out to Coach Whitey, who we interviewed in between the last two episodes. If you haven't caught it yet, you really should, because Coach Whitey works as a strength and conditioning coach for D.C. Girls Baseball, but he also works for uh, District Performance D.C. and with kids from Wilson High School, which is a, a public school in the district. And every no, it's, year- it's in Maryland. It's in Maryland? No, no. Wilson's in the district. It's D.C. Yep. That I know. I'm I'm that much into, really. Yep. Wilson High School is D.C. Okay. And and we will look that up, folks. Um, but every year, the folks from Wilson High School go to the Dominican Republic. And he goes on the trip. And they are not only playing, but they also do uh, clinics for the kids, do trainings, and also visited a retirement home, a school, and an orphanage for kids with special needs. When they were in the DR? When they were in the DR. Wow. And they do this every year. And he there was the the visits he said were, you know, absolutely the highlight of the trip. But it's all around baseball, international baseball. So huge shout out to Coach Whitey and Wilson High School. Which is in the district. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Yeah, I, I do I'm do sorry. that education you know thing what? when I'm not there talking about baseball. There are a lot of a lot of high schools with W names in the county that mm-hmm. we live in, and we refer to them as the W schools. And I, I apologize that sometimes I get them confused, including Walter Johnson baseball right. baseball high school. That's right. All right, my friends, you're starting to watch games, right? Because spring training games have started. There are some new rules you need to be aware of. Okay, so some of them are about the size of the roster. This year, regular season rosters are not 25 guys. They're 26. That one person difference. Well, it is because 13. you have a limit of 13 active pitchers oh, right. on that. And if it's a day where you've got a doubleheader, you can call up an extra guy. You can have 27 guys on the roster on days you have a doubleheader. In the postseason, it will also be 26. Same limit on pitcher numbers. In September, in the past, it's been 40 guys. You can call up the whole roster yeah. if you want to. Now it's 28. That's the big difference. That's, That's a, a real huge big one. Difference. And it's mandatory. You have to call up 28, which I find kind of interesting. Now, two-way players like Shohei Otani, that doesn't count. If you are a two-way player, like Otani is a pitcher but also a DH. Uh-huh. Sometimes they might put him in the outfield. It could happen. Um he doesn't count against the number of pitchers, even on the days where he starts as a pitcher. So he's not one of the 13. He's not one of the 13 because he could also DH or do something else. Interesting. Um, and I think they worked this rule around him because to qualify as a two-way player, you have to have 20 innings pitched and 20 games started as a position player or a DH, right, with at least three plate appearances per game to qualify. So you have to do a significant number of both things, pitcher and position or DH. I think there's like one other guy, and right. I can't remember who it is. So, But they but they have a rule for that, mm-hmm. okay? So actually, in, in September, when the rosters go to 28, you can have 14 pitchers, right? So the pitcher number goes up. The one you're going to see right now, and even in um, – in spring training games is there's a three batter minimum for a pitcher. 
or the pitcher has to go to the end of the inning for when he comes into the game in relief. So you're not going to see the loogies, the the left-handed one-out guy pitchers. You ha- unless it's like you know, unless they can knock out the inning. There's you know one out to get, and they get it. And the the real sad part about that is we never get, get to, to say, say the loogie. word loogie. <laughs> well, yeah. we can hock up a loogie. There's right. that. But yeah, it's going to happen. The other thing is when a position player gets to pitch, like say Astudio, who we mentioned before, they a position player can only come in as a pitcher after the ninth inning. So in extra innings. Or earlier, if there's a six-run differential, Which if you're really winning or is losing, what you're gonna do anyway. It's likely that that's what yeah. you're gonna do, but they, I think they've just sort of like codified that now. Um, if you are a pitcher or a two-way player, your IL stays are not ten day; they're fifteen day, right? So you can't play fast and loose with moving pitchers around on the IL just to get somebody up or back down or something like that. The one that I think is going to be the hardest to deal with is. When you want to challenge a play right now, you what well, last year you had 30 seconds to figure out do you want to challenge that call that just happened. Now you're only going to have 20 seconds. That's pretty. I'm wondering fast. where that came from. Like 10 Pace seconds. Pace of play that 10 seconds three times in a game is going to make the difference. That millennials coming to a ball game or not? I potty mouth. Don't buy that. I don't buy that. I I don't know. I think it's just that they think that these guys can. It's kind of like when I give my kids five minutes in the morning to do the warm up before the lesson. If I notice that they're getting it done really fast, I'm like, you know what? I think I'll crank that back and just give them four. So I think it's like you know just wanting them to. Push it a little Move bit. It along. They, they're able Move to it do along, it in 20. They're, they're taking 30. Yeah. Hey, you know, is it opening day yet? Oh, almost. Let me check my phone. It's at the, from the time of recording. Opening day is going to be in pretty much a month. 31 days, three hours, a minute and some seconds. Awesome. So between now and next week, when we're going to knock a few days off of that countdown, we have to research the Atlanta baseball team and the Yankees, two teams I don't care about generally. Oh, wow. I had a long talk today about a friend who's not that into baseball, about baseball grudges and how weird they are, and sports grudges in general. And I said, I like a lot of guys on the Atlanta team, but I will never root for them as a team. But I got to pick another guy that hopefully I'll like. And then there's the Yankees. Yeah, you just, the Yankees, that's a hard one. That's going to be a fun week. We're just going to have fun with it. That's right. And we're going to try to get my math skills back up and we're going to like give Potty Mouth some positive reinforcement for the literary, you know, reference earlier today. Please listen to some past episodes. If you haven't gotten caught up yet, tell your friends about us. If you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball, leave us a review or a rating if you get a chance and then maybe follow us on social media. Yeah. If you notice any math mistakes, you can let us know (laughs) at NCIB (laughs) podcast on Twitter. Or at No Crying in B-Ball, Facebook and Instagram. All those DMs are wide open, so let us know. It was Matt Carpenter. It was Matt Carpenter. (laughs) I swear it. Hey, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth.